We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast College Edition, brought to you by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. I'm John McKechnie. You can find me on Twitter at Johnny McKex. Joined as I will always be every Wednesday from here on out, uh, my good buddy, resident college football guru, Mario Puig. Hey, John. How are you doing today? <laughs> doing splendid. I mean, I'm so pumped that we're uh, that we're getting the college football pod, you know, back in the back in the rotation. Yeah, I, I was really gonna be bummed if we if we weren't gonna do it this year. It was a last minute call. It was like Derek thought of it. Like, uh, do you guys want to do Wednesday college thing? It's like, yeah, I guess we'll do that tomorrow. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's cool. Um, ho- hopefully the 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 dozen or more of you that listened last year we are happy to have us back. Yeah, man. So I mean, obviously we don't have DFS slates to break down, so we're just gonna kind of go through. Uh, like the whole slate of games, uh, just kind of like break down the spreads, how we think everything's going to play out, you know, 
touch on some some players that we're really you know kind of looking out for in particular you know and just just kind of make it work uh just you know we're kind of freestyling today and and like as i let our impulses guide us to the the final form of this which we'll, we'll figure out soon enough i'm sure yep, i'm not worried so about it just bear with us for today it'll be you know we're getting out there but we'll uh we'll we'll get it dialed in before too too long here so i mean i'm just so pumped for the season to get started um you didn't consider hawaii uh california in australia the start of the season yeah i guess, I guess it was in a in a annoying way because i i took uh, cal to cover that one and obviously they uh, missed oh, it by the you took it point. you took the line too soon because it was at 19 and a half at one point uh at, like closer to game time because because yeah uh just, just one. You would nineteen and a half would have worked. Twenty and a half did not. Uh, stupid. And the, the dropped wheel route in the end zone. Um, oh, who did that? Um, maybe Califani Muhammad. Oh, then, okay, okay. It okay. was like a perfect throw from Davis Webb. I mean, it, the guy was wide open. It just right, you know, goes right through his hands. Like, oh, there it was. Yeah, that flight. It's what did it. They would have caught it if it was in in, in Hawaii or whatever. Yeah, right. and you know the, the field. You know, is probably. All crazy feeling. Dingo dander. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, like, Thursday, this tomorrow, is when the real season starts. Exactly. Um, there's there's a bunch of, you know, big teams playing tomorrow against pushovers, and it's like, I don't know how much time we care to talk about those instances. Uh, we, we will make a few exceptions, especially later on in the show, to pump up our some of the prospects that we're looking at this year. Um, but, yeah, for that reason, we're probably not going to talk about, like, the Louisville versus Charlotte's. Um, you know the 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 uh, North Carolina States versus William and Marys or whatever. Um, but yeah, if if we're gonna, we're just gonna go uh, with a kind of like favorite selections of of the the Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, slates here. Um, we'll start with what might not be an exciting matchup for most people's standards, but uh, we got we got Wake Forest going against Tulane. It, it's at Wake Forest. Um, for this is kind of gonna be like a, this first part, I guess, is gonna be a little bit like spread centric in addition to. Um, each game we target, we're gonna we're gonna mention, I guess, the standouts that we anticipate on an individual basis. But yeah, Wake Forest minus seventeen against Tulane, and uh, I was talking to you, John, about before the show. Uh, Willie Fritz from Georgia Southern, their head coach, is now at Tulane now, and Wake Forest is a team that um, you know has more recruiting capital than Tulane, at least for now, right. and they bring back a lot of uh, experience from a defense that was pretty competent last year. But uh, I think if, uh, if I think if I were in Vegas right now, I'd, I'd see if I could put you know I don't know twenty bucks or something on Tulane to to cover that seventeen. Not because I think they're that great or to deny Wake Forest a, a whole lot of credit, but um, if Tulane's going to go to a Georgia Southern style, just obnoxiously run heavy scheme, that right. means there might not be a high play count in this game. And I don't think we consider Wake Forest's offense so functional that they're especially likely to get a 17-point lead against anybody um, if they're only going to have, like, 55 offensive snaps to do it. So I kind of like Tulane's ability to lose this one by, you know, 10 or 14 or something. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, you think about it, and, you know, just kind of to to emphasize your point, like, Wake Forest just doesn't have a lot of excitement on the offensive side of the ball. Their, de- their defense is obviously a very respectable unit. Uh, it'll definitely be able to keep Tulane – off the scoreboard for the most part, but at the same time, Wake Forest is not going to be putting up a ton of points, even against this two-lane defense. I mean, they're yeah. starting this this random uh, true freshman running back 
uh, it's, you know, like a, like a low three-star, uh, just n- not a whole lot of, like, an impressive talent that they're, that they're going to be working with to where you really feel confident they're going to, like, blow out Tulane. Yeah, and Tulane has some a decent amount of returning talent on defense. It wasn't, like, high-level talent, but at least it's experience, so sure. they, they might overachieve a bit. And it's in the secondary, so that's how you stop uh, the fast bleeding on defense is at least stopping the big play uh, from the other team's pass. And Wake Forest doesn't have really much in running capital, as you said. Um, but, yeah, as far as eventual uh, fantasy standouts here, uh, other than receiver Cortez Lewis, I don't think there's anybody on Wake Forest. And, or Cam Serene is obviously a solid tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tulane, it, I think it's interesting to watch what happens with that running game because if it does turn into anything resembling Georgia Southern, then um, not necessarily will we find, like, a Matt Breda. Right. But uh, we might find, like, you know – someone pretty good nonetheless and maybe even a second pretty good one uh Dontrell Hilliard is the anticipated starting running back uh but Sherman Beatty has has had some flashes of brilliance over the last two years so it's possible one or both of them makes an impact so those are the two to watch I think uh generally for for the eventual you know fantasy outcomes in, in this game here uh a more high stakes matchup is Tennessee at home against Appalachian State uh, the line opened at, I think, 22.5 for Tennessee. Um, it's down to 20 now, according to covers. Okay. So, uh, yeah, the over-under went up from 57.5 to 61.5. Uh, Tennessee went down from 22.5 to 20. And I think I think I probably would have passed on the 22.5, but at 20, I think I, I do like Tennessee's chances of doing that just because, um, I mean, Appalachian State is, is a great mid-major team, but... It's Tennessee, and it's at Tennessee, and they the thing is, like, their personnel, especially in the running game, is something that just, if you're not an SEC team, you're not built to handle uh, Dobbs. Ford, yeah. Jalen Hurd. Yeah, Dobbs, Hurd, and Kamara running the ball are, 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 are very, you know, even a lot of SEC teams. So, Appalachian State, admirable squad, I'm sure, but uh, let's see, like, they... They got clobbered 41-10 to 10 by Clemson last year. So right. uh, Taylor Lamb, their quarterback, might be a little bit better, but I'm just not sure that it matters that much because I I, th- I can see that defense getting worn down, losing by 20 or 21. Um, but, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't, you know, that's too big of a spread for my liking in general to go after, but uh, I, I, I do think, you know, t- 20 points for Tennessee is, is a reasonable target just because, yeah, Appalachian State's defense is not going to be able to hold up to that physicality. Right, they, and they lost Blair, who who I guess was you know their, like their best uh, defensive lineman in the middle to kind of help slow down that run game. So Tennessee, I mean, yeah, just from like a physical standpoint, is just going to kind of be able to bully Appalachian State. I mean, Appalachian State, like you said, is one of the better group of five teams that, that you're going to see out there. Very disciplined, uh, just strong fundamentally. Um, I wrote in like my start sit article this week that that you know I'm avoiding playing Taylor Lamb if if I can. Oh yeah, him and Marcus Cox are kind of just off the table really. Yeah, cuz te- cuz Tennessee, you know, you got to factor in the fact that they have draftable talent at all three levels of their defense. Okay. Uh, and maybe even more than one guy at each position that that uh, might be playing on Sundays eventually. So that's just it's going to be a real grind for App State to to kind of stay in in this game and you know if if Tennessee just starts wearing them down over time, it's just it's it's hard to see where where App State keeps it within twenty. Yeah, Tennessee got, had a relatively close game against Bowling Green last year, but that's a very different scenario because Bowling Green had one of the quietly play. one of the best passing offenses of all time, whereas Appalachian State, uh, the, Lamb has been very efficient and generally explosive, but not in a high volume sense. Like he's generally not shown the ability to carry that offense. It's like the running game dominates and sets up favorable coverages for him. 
Uh, that won't happen against Tennessee. Tennessee nope. won't need to load the box to stop the running game. So, yeah, we agree. Uh, yeah, Tennessee, I mean, Dobbs is a, a good fantasy quarterback when he can run, and this matchup qualifies as such. Uh, so I, I think he'll have a pretty big game. I expect him to score probably twice on the ground, maybe two or three times through the air. Uh, Jalen Hurd and Kamara should both get get to the end zone once. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, uh, not much for Appalachian State going in that one, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, let's see. The next game that we got here is Western Kentucky at home against Rice. It's 16-point favorites uh, for, for Western Kentucky. I, I wouldn't approach this game in a betting scenario. Um, if I did have to choose, I'd probably take Western Kentucky just because I'm, I'm not – I'm not really buying the idea that Brandon Doty leaving means that they're going to just fall apart now because I, if I, I happened to see Brandon Doty play before Brom got there and it wasn't very good. Like that, that's a system I think that makes anybody passing the ball look pretty good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike White, their starting quarterback, might not be very good, but with Taewon Taylor there at receiver, he's he's an NFL player. They got um, Nicholas Norris, pretty good. Fant, uh, I think it's. Yeah, fans from last year, I can't remember his first name. They were He was like a pretty hyped player as a recruit, but just never really got on the field much because they had uh, Antoine Grant and Jared Dangerfield ahead of him last year. So, yeah, I like I like Western Kentucky's offense to stay hot, especially because I, I think Anthony Wales is a really good running yeah, back. Yeah, a couple really, really solid running backs. I think Furby uh, might be a little bit better than he was last year. He's kind of uh, trimmed down a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think he's Yeah, it was definitely the problem last year. Right. Like he was just sluggish. But actually, like, uh, he's obviously had a, a pretty rough recent history, but Monty Ball had a similar trajectory at Wisconsin where he was, like, too fat lost some weight and went from just not good to, you know, Heisman level. I don't expect Furby to do that because I think Wales is too good to keep off the field. But, yeah, if if, if Furby, Furby goes from below average to even, you know, average, I think that, that offense should stay really good, especially because I'm so sold on Taylor and Norris. But, yeah, otherwise it's just, uh, you know, I, I think Brahm's one of the best coaches in college football right now, so I think that helps too. But because of the turnover and the general uncertainty with Western Kentucky, I wouldn't bother approaching that that minus 16 there. No, nah, I mean, it, do you see anything in Rice that, that uh, interests you or scares you off in any way? Uh, I'm not super interested in them just because, um, I mean – that I guess if you were going to go with somebody, it would be the receiver Zach Wright. Um, like Dennis Parks isn't there this year, right. and uh, but yeah, the the running back rotation was stupid. They would always they have this favoritism for Jawan Davis, who's been way less efficient than Derek Dillard, and they had this other guy, a couple guys. I I, don't, I haven't checked to see whether they're still on the team or whatever because they just have been off the radar for me. But like Austin Walter and Samuel Stewart, so there's too many people going for too small of a pie I think so yeah I'm not really interested in Rice but yeah Taewon Taylor is my number two fantasy receiver this year in college football uh, behind only Corey Davis I got Norris probably in the top 25 too so yeah Anthony Wales is one of my favorite running backs even though he's not going to get the red zone carries he's like college Jamal Charles right now or something yeah because I mean Furby like just kind of the way it worked out last year you know I was I was doing some research on on how the how the carry distribution kind of broke down and uh, I think all of um, Furby's touchdowns came from within nine yards. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah he was not good last year. <laughs> um, like, uh, but yeah, yeah also Gary like he was trash, but he had like eleven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Just got all the all the red zone love. Yeah, and Anthony Wales does actually have a history of injury, so it makes he's he's a pretty small running back, so it makes sense that they would try to keep him out of the um, the high collision scenarios like the goal line carries. Right. Um, but yeah, the next game certainly not an exciting. There's not I can't see many sparks flying in this one, but uh, we got Minnesota going against Oregon. State Minnesota is favored by 13 which um, 
I'd have to I'd have to consider putting some money on Oregon State if I had the opportunity, uh, just okay. from the spread sense, just because um, Minnesota's you know they're gonna they are what they are they're the, they're the same thing all the time, um, and like Shannon Brooks isn't likely to play though I don't no, think his, I think his foot is going to keep him out for at least this week which is really unfortunate because he's yeah. one of my favorite running backs not only not only in the Big Ten but you know coming off just an amazing freshman year so I was really looking forward to seeing what he was going to do and then he hurts his foot in camp still got a couple of nice yeah Rodney backs, Smith so. is fine but it's like that's all he is Brooks could have made a difference I don't I don't think I don't think uh, Smith will do that uh, Mitch Leidner, uh, Todd McShay is wrong. He is not a potential first round pick. <laughs> that was just irresponsible. He's basically. not a he's not a potential fourth round pick. No. He, he's not a potential fifth round pick. I was shocked um, to even like suggest that he was going to be playing in the NFL. That that was you you were asleep in class and the teacher noticed. <laughs> and Todd, who do you think is going to be a first round pick at quarterback this year? Which one? Uh, the first one I can think of. Yeah, <laughs> Why so that was the first one you could think of, uh, we'll never know. We have it's it's, it's hard to get Mitch out of your head sometimes. And um, anyway, so I I don't think that it's it's kind of like the Wake Forest uh, Tulane thing though. It's like I just don't think Minnesota is going to beat anybody by 13 points, let alone an Oregon State team that I don't. Obviously, it's not going to be good. They're over under for wins this year is like two and a half, but. Um, they don't need to win. They just they just need to not lose by uh, fourteen points. So uh, or thirteen, whatever. Um, so they got a they got a they got a quarterback coming in, Daryl Garrettson, who was pretty good at Utah State before he transferred to Oregon State. In any case, he'll be way better passer than anybody they had last year. Sure. Jordan Villeman is going to play in the NFL. I think he'll be like a potential first round pick, no worse than second day. Big fast player. Victor Bolden's not that great, but he's at least an effective like underneath target. Uh, don't really care about the running backs, but Ryan Nall is the one who's supposed to start. He's like a tight end fullback tweener last year before they, they gave him the running back workload because yeah, they, they just didn't like have anybody else. Bunch of, of running backs this offseason just to <laughs> medical retirements or exhausted eligibility. But yeah, so they, um, they I think like with Garrett's in there, I, I'm guessing most people's like uh, like spread or like uh, what is that called? Bookmake bookmaker odd odd something odds maker yeah i think the i think the models are a little bit off because they're expecting quarterback play similar to last year which i I don't think garrettson is that bad Uh, i think he's going to be way better as a passer than seth collins or mccarian or if somebody else was playing too so anyway it's not that much of a hurdle that they need to clear basically especially because because minnesota doesn't really score points against anybody in particular that's true but uh, i will kind of uh go the different route on this one i do think minnesota should be able to give to cover this one um i just think that they're just, i don't know if oregon state is gonna be able to score on minnesota's defense minnesota's defense is pretty solid all around and they're bringing back some good players um and you know 13 i could see it being like a really ugly like 20 to 6 or 17 to 3 yeah. type deal uh and in which case you know obviously Minnesota would be covering at that point. I, I, I see it going that way. It is going to be a boring game to anyone that uh, doesn't have money riding on it. But, oh, of course. Uh, you know, I do think that Minnesota, uh, let's go Gophs. College football has insane money exchanged, uh, even on those boring games. Though. Like I, I, remember, I can't remember what it was. David Payne Purdom from ESPN had some crazy stat about that stupid California-Hawaii game having a, a ton of money on it, like, comparable to MLB games or something. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, it's like, I even I didn't look into that game at all. I just did not care. Um, but, yeah, anyway, that's the last Thursday game we're looking at. Friday, we got Stanford against Kansas State, minus 15.5 for Stanford. I think I like Stanford's ability to get that one just because I, I, I just don't think Kansas State has the talent. Like, it's, 
I don't think they can stop McCaffrey from getting four touchdowns in this one. No, and they're not gonna, they're not going to be able to play catch up either. Like yeah. they're, they're just like they are the opposite of a team that's built to built to like come from behind. Like once, their, their once strategy down by a field goal, like they they're in deep deep trouble sometimes. Like when the, their strategy against a team that's vastly favored over them like this is to actually run out the clock on themselves yeah, and just like the slow. Yeah, that Baylor game. Their strategy <laughs> was just like let's try to keep it within ten and maybe we'll get like a punt. A muff punt recovered for a touchdown and that's our strategy um so yeah it's a big 15 and a half is a lot especially since stanford doesn't you know they're, they're not exactly a, a you know 1999 st louis rams type offense but i do think that they're they're all in on mccaffrey for heisman so i oh, think yeah. he gets like at least three touchdowns in this one yeah, they're just gonna start the campaign strong yeah they're, they're not gonna have a raymond right this year it's like christian mccaffrey's gonna get all the goal line carries because they're 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 super invested in, in his narrative i think um but yeah mccaffrey's are num- my number one running back anyway for fantasy this year I, th- I think he's gonna have like 16 rushing touchdowns and probably like six or seven more as a receiver you probably even get two or three in special teams as well yeah yeah um but yeah it's uh it's it, other than that i mean dalton schultz i guess is the next anticipated stanford tight end if you get excited about that kind of thing um kansas state they have someone interesting at receiver to watch byron pringle who's a junior college transfer yeah. um seems pretty talented i guess what's what's that issue that with that is like can jesse Ertz, the quarterback uh can you get them the ball which uh, you know, Joe Hubner's worse than Ertz, and it's, at least he doesn't have to deal with Hubner. But uh, don't know if Ertz is good. But for that, you know, distinction, it might not add up to anything. But uh, anyway, Pringle's the Kansas State guy to watch. I don't really care about anybody else. Yeah, I I, I said in the in the article to to sit uh, Charles Charles Jones if if uh, he is on your roster. I mean, basically. The way it, it looks like it's going to shape out is it like yes he's nominally nominally the starter but they're going to be rotating like pretty strictly and pretty evenly like four different b- backs so I mean yeah. even if he is technically the starter it doesn't mean that he's going to be getting like fantasy relevant uh, workload and obviously Stanford you know they lost Blake Martinez in the middle uh, but they're they're still going to have a defense that's going to that's going to be able to control kansas state so i'm i'm staying away from jones uh pretty much at all costs this weekend yeah every other week too don't yep. use charles jones get rid of him um but yeah so another a friday game that should be a little closer and certainly higher scoring we got arkansas state against toledo and um this is a little bit of a weird situation because toledo lost their coach uh, matt campbell to iowa state um and arkansas, arkansas state they lost uh, walt bell to maryland their offensive coordinator oh okay they still got blake anderson uh who kind of is like the general uh architect of their method uh former larry fedora underling um but yeah they got a uh, quarterback uh, oddity with uh we got pittsburgh transfer uh chad voidick right. who's expected to split snaps in this game with justice hansen who's a former oklahoma juco guy um and i yeah i don't I don't like quarterback rotations at all. It's possible that they're just lying about it, though, and like one of those guys is just going to start the whole game. I don't know, um, but yeah, that 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 has a bit of a destabilizing nature, I think, for Arkansas State, who is favored by three and a half uh, over under sixty four and a half. I I don't know. I Toledo has Logan Woodside taking over at quarterback, who you might think as a new starter because he redshirted last year, but he's I think he's probably going to be better than Philip Eli because he okay. started two years ago. And was pretty good. So uh, Cody Thompson, I think, is poised to be one of the most productive receivers in the country this year. Uh, they, they he was great last year, and I had an absurdly low uh, target volume for how explosive he was. 
he had he was he was doing like 12 yards a catch at something like 65 percent catch rate which 65 percent catch rate is something that you see in slot receivers not guys who are, have like a 30 yard depth of target average um but yeah i like cody thompson a lot obviously that toledo running game is infallible they got kareem hunt and terry swanson mm-hmm. uh those those both of them are really really good so yeah, Toledo had like all five new starters on their offensive line last year, and it still was a great line. So those guys all coming back, like that running game could get better. I I don't know if I'd put money on this just because uh, I don't know. It's two good teams, two well coached teams, and uh, just just hard to anticipate wacky week one stuff. But if I would take one, I would probably take Toledo's points of three and a half. Yeah, I could definitely see see it uh, kind of shaking out that way. I think you bring up a really good point about how. You know, Toledo was able to survive all these new starters on the line last year, and st- I mean, not just survive, but like they thrived. Like they yeah, were whoever that ripping. offensive line coach is, is the best ever. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's possible. Five new starters, that's crazy. And he's a serious dude, and yeah, I mean, pretty much any time we would kick back and watch Maxion, you knew that Toledo was just going to bring the bring the thunder with the run game, and it was always always going to be good. Yeah, otherwise, for Arkansas State, their backfield is pretty great, too. Warren Wand, who's like 5'5", five, five, uh, he was really good last year. Johnston White, was their, their, um, he was their red zone back. Michael Gordon's gone, but those two are more than enough to keep it going. They got Cameron Eccles-Looper at receiver, who transferred from TCU. He might be pretty exciting if he's basically replacing like the J.D. McKissick uh, slot receiver slash gadget player role. Uh, Dijon Pascal's done a good job at an outside receiver spot, so... That offense should be really good as long as the, they don't undermine themselves with the quarterback workload split. Um, I don't know. What, I don't really know much about Justice Hansen to be honest, but Voidick is more of like the dual threat prototype that the Blake Anderson offense has. So it'll be interesting to see if if, if Hansen can run as much as Voidick. He's presumably a better passer because Voidick can't throw the ball really. True. But yeah, I remember you know looking it up and Voidick had you know really solid before he kind of lost out to Nate Peterman last year at Pitt. You know, uh, I guess 2014 is when he had the most uh, playing time. His, his rushing uh, production was like uh, very surprising. Yeah, he can run. For sure. But yeah, otherwise it's yeah it's like the uncertainty there makes me favor Toledo a little bit, but I, it I, Arkansas State will be prepared. Like Anderson's done a pretty impressive job there. Yeah. So before we get into our Saturday slate of games, uh, we got a message here from our friends at uh, Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Now nobody ever gets in a car thinking I'm drunk, I'm driving, and I'm going to kill someone tonight. They might think I've had a few drinks and I'm okay to drive home, or I only live a few minutes from here, or I've gotten away with this plenty of times before. And they think like and they think like that right up until the moment they kill someone. Thousands of people are killed in drunk driving crashes every year. It's better to be safe than sorry. Download the free Safe Ride app to help you get your taxi or send a friend your location when you've been drinking. Drive sober or get pulled over. And now it's time for our safe sleeper pick, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Many of us will be downing beers at our fantasy football drafts, which leads to bad decisions in the later rounds, or worse decisions getting behind the wheel after the draft. Today's safe sleeper pick is, on my behalf anyway, Eric Dungy at Syracuse going against Colgate. Now, I know that's an obvious pushover match, but I wanted to talk about Syracuse since uh, they're one of the the games that doesn't have a spread yet because they're playing Colgate. Um, But I'm really excited to see this offense. Dino Babbers going from Bowling Green to Syracuse. Dungy was impressive last year, uh, got, got put on the field earlier than they thought they'd have to call him up, and he, he was a very, very impressive runner, pretty good as a passer. 
they got a few good receivers there that I like, especially Steve Ishmael, a couple good running backs in Dante Strickland and Jordan Fredericks. But yeah, Syracuse has a brutal schedule other than this game, so I fully believe they're going to run up the score, even though Colgate probably can't keep up. Uh, I really like chances of Dungy getting five or six touchdowns in this one, maybe like four passing, two rushing, something like that. Um, so yeah, I, I know I know if you got him in a season log league, I he's he's probably like a top five play for me this week at the quarterback position. So if yes. you got him in a season long league, I, I would I would probably keep him in this week, even if you got some somebody you might have drafted ahead of him otherwise. Right, and uh, you know. Uh, T- took a look at your at your prop bet article earlier today, and um, I think one of the one of the uh, possible wagers out there that you mentioned w- was taking the over on Syracuse because it's only set at four. And you know, like you said, like there's there's a ton of talent on that offense. I really like the way that the Dungy is able to run that offense, and you gotta love that Dino is there now. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that uh, definitely changes things. And you know, the ACC it's it's really top heavy, but they should be able to you know. They should be able to get over the hump. They should at least at least get those five wins. Right, they got to beat. So they got Colgate, UConn, and who's the other one? Anyway, they, basically they got to beat something like two out of uh, uh, South Florida, North Carolina State, and uh, I, I can't find my uh, article at the moment. Um, Maybe like BC or Wake. Oh, Boston College, right? Um, I don't think they get Wake, um, but yeah. So it's, they got to get to five wins. Uh, Colgate is if if. You know, if, if they can't beat Colgate, then never mind. Yeah, um, yeah just don't, don't <laughs> <but> look at it. <laughs> um, yeah, my internet's not working right now, so I'm not going to look that up. Anyway, yeah, don't they got to get the they got to give the offense, you know, some time to grease its wheels before they get into that brutal sc- schedule they have otherwise. So I, I think Dungy's going to go crazy this week. Uh, I have him ranked at four, as it turns out. So uh, yeah, I have him ahead of J T. Barrett going against Bowling Green, for instance. Right. I think JT Barrett is my safe sleeper of the week. I think, um, you know, this is a situation where a lot of the times Ohio State can open up against like a complete cupcake and like, you know, their starters play for like a quarter and, it, and it's just over and it's a, yeah. it's a bloodbath. But I think, you know, Bowling Green, even though they don't have Matt Johnson anymore, they should be able to and they don't have Dino anymore, but. You know, they should be able to, like, hang with Ohio State, like, at least a little bit to where, like, Barrett is in the game long enough to where he's putting up monster numbers. So this isn't one of those weekends where uh, – I'm trying to think of who the biggest pushover they played last year. Maybe, like, like Florida A&M two years ago or something. Yes, yeah. That, that is somewhere in that vein. So. Uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, uh, Kenny – was it Kenny Gion? Some, some, they had some, like, like third-string quarterback who had five touchdowns in that game or something. Anyway. Kenny Guyton? Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. But yeah, yeah uh, this is one of those ones where like Barrett could easily get four touchdowns in the first half alone. Uh, but yeah, Bowling Green has Mike Jinks coming in as the head coach, and he's like a Texas Tech guy, so they they might give they might let Ohio State either. yeah they might let Ohio State run like forty five plays in the first half or something just because they're gonna they're gonna go at such a fast pace themselves and probably go three and out pretty quick. Yeah, and then you know you also gotta like the fact that. For, for Barrett's purposes, you know, you, you don't have to worry about Cardale Jones, you know, kind of like messing up the mojo of that offense. I think that's sort of what, what yeah, killed that, them last year. Yeah, that was a problem. Uh, but, you know, now it's it's Barrett's show again, as it rightfully should be. Um, I've just been a huge JT guy since, like, his fresh, or his redshirt freshman year. Yeah, he's uh, great. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm totally in on him this week. He, he's definitely my safe sleeper to go to. So, yeah, now we're moving on to the Saturday games. This is a weird one. Uh, Boston College is playing against Georgia Tech in Dublin. Uh, that's Ireland, Dublin. 
Um, and that they're th- it's a minus three for Georgia Tech. Why would we give them those games? Like we give them the most painful <sighs> games to watch. Yeah, we we're we, like we're we, st- we subject them to like Christian Hackenberg, uh, and, and James Franklin two years ago against like Central Florida or something outrageous like that. We're clearly trying to say to Ireland like just stick with soccer. <laughs> American football is bad. Watch this, and uh, it's it's going to be gross. Um, yeah, Boston College doesn't know who's going to start at quarterback. It doesn't really matter. I would be more interested in Darius Wade than Tolls, the Kentucky transfer, because it's like that. Like Wade can run and maybe can't pass, but Tolls can't do either one. He's True. ostensibly a passing quarterback, but he can't do that either. So what's the point? Um, I don't know. Uh, Georgia Tech's run defense was awful last year, and their offense struggled quite a bit too. Uh, Justin Thomas had a down year. They might struggle against Boston College because yep. they're pretty good on defense as general as a general truth. Um, but, yeah, Georgia Tech is worth watching, I think, to see whether one or both of Marcus Marshall or Quade Weimerskirch can become a running back factor this year. Um, Boston College's only interesting player, I think, is Jonathan Hilleman, but, like, he's he's been pretty disappointing since that promising freshman year, and it's hard to tell w- whether they're going to get anything going in general. So uh, I wouldn't put any money on that game just because I don't trust either team at all. Yeah, and also to your point, uh, before we move on from it, because it is going to be kind of a – like a rough game to watch, but uh, Dedrick Mills is, is uh, this guy that is a freshman, I believe, and uh, he, yeah, he's an early enrollee from from this past year, so he's he's coming in. Apparently, he's looked awesome. Uh, Clinton Lynch uh, was well, that Georgia Tech that he was? Yes. Oh, okay, um, you know, Clinton Lynch averaged nine and a half yards per carry last year. Like, you know, the, there's some exciting S- guys. Slot back though, true. Like, true. Uh, so, yeah, they got to get the B back basically. Uh, yeah, Marshall and Quaid seem to be getting that consideration, but yeah, who knows? I'd, it, Marshall was really explosive last year, but Weimer Skirch has that more bruiser type of uh, build that you would expect of the, like the fullback role. So, so it'll yeah. be. I guess it'll be interesting to see kind of how that B back rotation uh, ends up playing out, and obviously. When they're going against a team like Boston College, uh, you know they lost their defensive coordinator. I think he went to Michigan, um, but they're still going to be very stout um, in terms of stopping the run. So, you know, we're just going to have to see kind of who Paul Johnson ends up trusting to, to run that ball. Um, it then, should be someone good. I just have no idea who it will be. Right. So, you know, that'll be one to kind of. T- take notes and, and see, you know, for future reference, uh, who's kind of... Just look at the box the score, though. Don't watch it. Yeah, don't for, watch for it. For your own sake, just don't do it. But yeah, uh, Northwestern minus five against Western Michigan. I don't have any feelings on the spread in this one. It's like clearly the the odds makers are just banking on, you know, MAC team can't, can't, can't score against Northwestern, and Northwestern can score against them because they're a MAC team. I don't know. Justin Jackson is obviously a really reliable running back. He should he should do really well to, uh, in that game. I, I got him ranked pretty high this week. Mm-hmm. I'm not really caring about Clayton. Th- is Clayton Thorson still starting for them. I don't even care. Technically, but yeah, he's, he's supposedly getting better. I don't. I, I'll believe when I see it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. To be fair, he could run last year against bad defenses. Maybe Western Michigan. But the thing is, like Western Michigan has been recruiting really well for a MAC team. Like PJ Fleck is oh. not going to be there much longer. He's going to he's, he's going to go to a BCS squad soon. Um, probably after this year because Corey Davis is going to be gone after this year. Right. Uh, Corey Davis is, is the number one fantasy receiver for me this year. This is probably his worst matchup. I haven't looked at the rest of the schedule, but just because it's Northwestern, it's probably a tough matchup. But with that said, like there are very few season-long teams who have Corey Davis that shouldn't be starting him because he's. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. He's he's awesome. Yeah, man. So uh, yeah, I think that um, as far as like the the. The spread is concerned here. I, I would assume that Northwestern should be able to beat 
beat them by, um, you know, it's five yeah. a touchdown, you know, that that's really uh, not too crazy to me, but uh, I am really excited to, to you know, uh, join you in getting this Corey Davis movement even, even further into gear because, uh, you know, he gets to play a big 10 team. He gets to, you know, be probably on a, on a national stage and, we don't get to see them on there too, too often. So it'll be it'll be cool to watch. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and more exciting game, of course. Uh, perhaps like one of the, maybe the most favorite. anticipated game of this week one. Houston against Oklahoma in a theoretically neutral Houston site. Uh, the, the line opened at 10 for Oklahoma, I believe, and now it's up to 12 and a half. So not many, looks like not many people are thinking Houston has any chance in this one and uh, I, I remember surprised by that. Yeah, I kind of understand it though, because like, I mean, it, I I remember thinking like, Florida State's got this, you know. That like, was my lock. <laughs> that was my mortal lock during bowl season. I just, I you know, was watching it on New Year's Eve before I was getting ready to go out. I was like, this is horrible. I look like such an idiot. Now. Yeah, so that sucked. Um, to be fair, I still think they might have won that if it wasn't for McGuire getting snapped. But mm-hmm. uh, anyway, twelve and a half. I I still am scared to approach that one just because Oklahoma does have a huge talent advantage. Like Greg Greg Ward is amazing, but they're not going to have their presumed starting slot receiver Rashad Samples. We still don't know what Duke Catalan can do exactly. He's the Texas transfer who's expected to start at running back. Um, he seems to keep. He I don't think he's in good shape right now. Uh, you uh, know, oh, he okay. Had that, he had like a bit of a neck strain, and then he comes back and he he gets carted off the field uh, for cramps. Uh, I think like. He, he just might not be, like, ready to go, you know? Huh. I'm a little worried yeah. about that. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I, I Yeah, I wasn't super high on him just to, because of the matchup. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's worrisome. But, yeah, otherwise at receiver, it's like Chance Allen is good, but he's not, like, a pl- game-breaker type. Isaiah Johnson is the one who had that huge spring game. They're going to need him to have yes. a big game with samples out. Um, but, yeah, they don't have, like, like DeMarcus Ayers was the, the basically the workhorse of that offense aside from Greg Ward, and he played the slot position. Um, that's what samples was supposed to do. And like Allen and Johnson don't really project to pick that up. So I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how that offense is going to work exactly. Uh, meanwhile, n- not worried about the Oklahoma offense. Um, there should you be. Yeah. So I, I don't, I just, I, I think I actually kind of like Oklahoma's ability to win by 13 or more. Right. Uh, I might stay, I might, I would probably stay away. From, just to be clear, I'm not betting on any of these games cause I, I don't know how to use internet betting and stuff and i don't have a bookie or whatever um if i were in vegas though i'd probably just not go after this one because i probably think i can find some easier ones yeah definitely definitely from uh from an easiness standpoint uh you know this this one is is really kind of hard to parse out but um yeah i would i would if i had to if i had to pick uh, i think probably probably leaning ou i think i think houston keeps it close for a while i think like in into the third quarter they're making Baker Mayfield sweat and stoops and I think that I think that OU could be due for a letdown at some point earlier in the season but um, yeah I think they'll be ready for this one yeah they'll they'll like get a mini miniature scare and then I think they're gonna get beaten by Ohio State a few weeks from now uh and then you know you remember the Texas game last year (laughs) I remember the Alamo I mean yeah that was that was nuts and uh you know, may, maybe it'll just kind of 
pendulum back the other way where OU's like, I can't believe you guys, you know, almost derailed our, our like magical season. Uh, and then they just come out and smack Texas around, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll have to see. But I, I'm I'm not having OU in my uh, in my playoff picks. I probably wouldn't either. Um, I still have to do that stupid thing like tonight. Ugh, I guess oh, got a lot to do. Oh no, it's, I, I'm I'm trying to get like bowl game projections done, which means I have to look at like ev- try to guess every win and loss of like the top whatever sixty teams or something. <laughs> So that's cool. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, he, Oklahoma obviously has Samaj Prine, who's going to play in the NFL. He, I think he'll be a, probably a first-round pick. Uh, Baker Mayfield's not really an NFL quarterback, I don't think. Sorry, Rudy fans. Um, uh, Joe, Mix, Joe Mixon's probably a pretty bad guy, but he's probably going to play in the NFL. Uh, D.D. Westbrook's going to be interesting. I think he's going to have to be their lead receiver this year because Geno Lewis, the Penn State transfer, is totally good, but – um, can't offer the explosiveness that Westbrook does. Mark Andrews is, I think, a potential first-round pick at tight end, uh, not this upcoming draft because he's a true sophomore, I think. Yes. Um, but the one after that, uh, God, he looks so fast. He looks so fast for someone so big. So I, I, I really think he'll be a first-round pick if, if he you know, basically looks the same the next two years as he did last year. He should have a bigger role this year with Sterling you know, Sterling Shepard's gone, and he's just the best ever. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm just, like, not totally bowled over by by Westbrook. Like, I, I think he probably is, like, the best of that receiving core, and, like, he should, you know, kind of function as such. He'll get the most targets and so on and so forth. But I think, you know, like you like you were saying, I think Andrews is going to is gonna get an even bigger role in this offense. I think, like, he's going he's gonna to be a serious, you know, if they ever are inclined to not just pound it in with Perrine, uh, then Mark Andrews could definitely be uh, like their best uh, like red zone threat. Yeah, yeah. He had, he had like I mean, I'm I'm not gonna look up the stat because I, I don't trust my internet and I don't feel like it. But I think he had like seven touchdowns and like 18 catches last year or something. So um, yeah, he's he's really good. Um, but yeah, so the next game, Ohio State minus 27 and a half against Bowling Green. I would take Ohio State's points in that one. So Bowling Green, they should be good in the MAC, but. Uh, so James Napke, who's taking over f- for Matt Johnson, he actually started two years ago when Johnson broke his hip. Right. And he, he's got experience, and that alone means he should be pretty good in the MAC, uh, especially if, if the, f- the scheme more broadly that Jinx puts in is functional. But he's, he doesn't have the talent to play against a team like Ohio State. Like, it was pretty ugly watching him play against BCS squads that year. Um, two years ago, but it's 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 also related to just like his athleticism and just his the mechanics of just the way he's built. It, does, it doesn't look like a BCS level player. Um, they're they're surprisingly thin at receiver. Darian Landry, their junior college transfer, is not going to play this year apparently. Uh, Teo Redding's good. Um, Ronnie Moore is really good. But I don't think the Tyler's gone and Lewis Lewis is gone. I mean, Lewis is gone. Dieter is gone. Burbrink's gone. Um, so yeah, Robbie Rhodes isn't playing. Uh, so yeah, the Fred Coppett's a good running back. They got a couple other guys who should be pretty productive runners. But I I just I don't see I don't see Bowling Green scoring more than like twenty one. And I think Ohio State gets at least to like I don't know probably like forty five. So I like the, I like the chances of being better than that. Obviously, they need to get a twenty eight point lead, but I I think they'll do that. Yeah, they should they should be able to skate by pretty easily. I mean, th- this is a team that's you know got title hopes again, and I think that they're they're not going to take their foot off the gas. And I think that they have like an oddly little bit of a chip on their shoulder this year. You know, I don't think they're going to want to like give off any whiffs of of weakness because it you know they lost 
pretty much everyone skill position wise, you know, from from Cardale to to Jalen Marshall to Mike Thomas um, and Zeke, you know, they, they lost so much on the offensive side of the ball. That I think, you know, they're almost to like a smaller extent, just kind of want to want to really kind of paste Bowling Green to just let everyone know that they're not going anywhere. Yep. So uh, let's see. Next game we got Lafayette is uh, they're, they're looking at a 20 point spread against the favored Boise State squad. That's a lot of points. Um, I think Boise State can can win by that much. Jeremy McNichols is my second fantasy running back this year behind uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I'm interested to see Cedric Wilson, who's, I think, a junior college transfer. Uh, I expect him to emerge as the second receiver to Thomas Spurbeck, who's been very good the last two years at receiver. Brett Rippon, great last year as a true freshman. So, yeah, Boise in their max tempo scheme is going to put up a lot of points. I think the only question is in this one, is Anthony Jennings a good enough runner at the Mountain West level of competition after transferring to LSU? And is Elijah McGuire going to get enough openings from Jennings' ability to run to break a big, few big plays himself? Uh, Lafayette can't pass, so it's going to have to be on the ground if they if they make it close at all. Um, I don't. I'm not really inclined to bet on that either way. But yeah, Elijah McGuire. Um, he's got a, he's got a couple unfortunate uh, wrinkles in his schedule, including this game. Right. He's got well, one more. He's one of the few kind of Mountain West teams that you, you feel pretty confident in their defense in on a week-to-week basis. Oh, yeah, and uh, Lafayette normally plays in the Sun Belt, which means it's like a pretty sizable jump in competition for them anyway. Right. Uh, and Boise's, Boise's murderously tough, even on, like, BCS squads, which Lafayette just is nowhere near. Uh, but, yeah, McGuire's awesome. I think he'll be a, a third or probably like a third or second-round pick in the upcoming draft. One of the most explosive college running backs ever. A uh, very good pass catcher. So hopefully Anthony Jennings can can give some help to him because I'd, I'd really like to see McGuire do well this year. Otherwise, um, let's see, I guess Jake, watch out for Jake Rowe if you drafted him. It sounds like he might be out with a knee injury. That's a Boise State tight end. Uh, otherwise, not much interesting there. Uh, Michigan, minus 40 at home against Hawaii. I think I, I, I thought about this a little bit earlier or after we talked about it earlier, John, and I think I do like Michigan getting to 42 um because hawaii is gonna it's gonna be war crimes hawaii is gonna think it's like 2012 or something after flying uh you know forty thousand miles in the past uh, 10 days or whatever um michigan's not gonna let them move the ball kaika woolsey is not capable i actually think hawaii named a kaika woolsey their starting quarterback just so he could get destroyed in this game and then they can switch to one of the backups who they you know preserve the psyche of Right. Um, but yeah, it's sacrificial land. Yeah, basically. Uh, Hawaii has a couple good running backs. Uh, Paul Harris, surprisingly, was way in the an afterthought against California after having house. a great year last year. Uh, Diosime St. Justa or something. I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it. they said St. Juiced on TV. St. Juiced. Okay. Uh, he, he was really impressive against California, he but he's, he's neither of them is going to do anything against Michigan. Uh, I'm not expecting much out of the Michigan offense myself. We still, I guess, don't know whether it's Wilson Spade or John O'Corn, but I'm going to go ahead and say it's not going to be John O'Corn. Yeah, I think Sp- Spade's like the, the big guy. I think he's got like the, the frame that, that Harbaugh likes. And, you know, like you, you, you know better than I do that O'Corn – He's bad, dude. Yeah. <laughs> He's really, really bad. Uh, I, watching him at Houston a few years ago is one of the most painful things I've ever had to endure from a football game. But um, yeah, it it was it was bad. Uh, so yeah, I would I would sooner believe that like Jabril Peppers is going to start at quarterback than John O'Corn. Um, so, so yeah, I put that down as my hot take, I guess. Right on, scorching. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Jehu Chesson, Amara Darbo could do well. Oh, Hawaii certainly is not built to stop guys like that. 
or Davian Smith. But yeah, I don't know what, the, what to expect out of that backfield. I think it's safe to say Ty Isaac has more talent than Davian Smith, but who knows if it's you know if he's going to get out of the doghouse or whatever. Yeah, I mean, he seems like he's always in the doghouse, and you know they they got, I believe the the number one uh, running back recruit. Uh, oh right, I can't remember his name though. Kareem Walker, maybe something like yeah, yeah. So he maybe he emerges, yeah, but yeah, I actually I'm inclined to think Davian Smith is actually pretty good. He played hurt a bunch last year, so maybe his his rushing average will go up if he can stay a little bit more upright this year. Yeah, and I, I definitely see that happening. And you know, he he runs with such like a physical style. That's just something that that Hawaii is just not equipped to deal with. Oh no, whatsoever. they're going to get run over by whichever Michigan running back is on the field. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So I mean that. If you're if you're going uh, if you got some like Michigan guys on on your season long team, definitely try to load up more so on the running backs for this one because they're gonna all have huge games potentially. But yeah, so we got next. It's uh, West Virginia minus ten against Missouri. I don't feel safe approaching this one because I think Missouri's defense can shut down West Virginia's. It's just like maybe Missouri's offense is so bad that uh, West Virginia could you know bourbon bowl this and still <laughs> win uh just because I don't, I don't know I, skylar howard is inaccurate and missouri always has that great pass rush so maybe missouri's defense really can get this for them but uh it's at west virginia i believe so that's that's a problem uh yeah so i i i, I would i don't know i would i would stay away from it either way but if i had to guess i i would pick west virginia to win certainly and I guess cover ten points, if only because they seem to have three pretty good running backs. Uh, Skylar Howard's very experienced at this point, right. senior. So I don't know. Uh, Drew Locke was just the worst ever last year, and I, I like Alex Ross actually quite a bit, the Oklahoma transfer at running back for Missouri. But I'm not convinced that he'll have any help in this one. No, I mean Locke was like the most kind of deer in headlights uh, type of quarterback that we that we saw in pretty much all of college football last year, especially for a guy that was like a pretty highly touted recruit everyone's really excited to to get in there and get him on campus and get him some playing time it's like oh oh boy you know it's weird all those missouri quarterbacks put up awesome numbers in their f- practices in the fall mm-hmm. and like you'd think they'd have a pretty decent test going against that defense but then when the real game started it's just like everybody's doing like four yards a pass it's <laughs> yep. just ridiculous um but yeah anyway next game um Let's see. We we had uh, Washington minus twenty six and a half against Rutgers. I like Washington a lot this year, but I wouldn't want to put that many points on them in this. If only because I feel like Rutgers' scheme uh, is, is going to be better this year. Not that it could be much worse than what it was in the past, but uh, I have enough faith in the talent of those two running backs, Robert Martin, Josh Hicks, and then the receiver Janarian Grant. Andre Patton seems pretty good too. Bummed to hear Chris Laviano starting again. I don't get it. Why? But uh, anyway. That's that's just kind of a lot of points for Washington to have to win by 27. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's a lot. And it's not as if Washington's like a high-tempo team itself. They might go higher tempo this year if, if Browning shows the progress that I expect out of him. But I just don't know why they would even need to win this one by 27. That, that's a good point. I, I can only really counter by saying that Rutgers is just uh, bad. You know, they got they got first-year coach and, and Chris Ash. Uh, I assume that he's going to turn that program – around a little bit compared to what, what uh, Mr. Kyle Flood was doing. But uh, <laughs> they don't have Leontay Carew anymore. They're starting Chris Laviano again. I don't think that Washington uh, is going to give up more than, you know, oh, not more much. than like 10 points or something. Right, so, right, right. So Rutgers is going to get shut down. So it really does come down to uh, how, do, how 
uh, heavy does Chris Peterson step on the pedal uh, as far as his offense is concerned? Because uh, Browning can definitely uh, get the job done. He's only going to get better. Uh, you know, they got John Ross now. He's one of the fastest guys. I'm excited to see John year. Ross this year. He's, he's, he's apparently at uh, over 190 pounds, and if he still is like 4'3 flat or faster at that weight, that's uh, that that definitely projects to the NFL. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see him. He he has a history of being very good open field runner. So it, it if if Browning takes a step forward, it all lines up nicely. And then obviously Gaskin, uh, Miles Gaskin yeah. is one of the best uh, rising sophomore running backs in the country. So I mean the the talents there for Washington. I feel like I would just be remiss as like someone that's like so on to Washington this year. I, I feel like I gotta pick them to to cover this, even though you know feel a little bit sketchy about it but I, I could see i could see a situation where it ends up happening so i, I gotta say it go let's uh let's go huskies okay fair enough uh i will say i, I think i'd rather do 20 one more point for ohio state than 20 26 and a half for washington but uh maybe the correct answer is both i don't know fair enough. Uh, anyway penn state minus 21 and a half against kent state i like that one Penn's uh, i like penn state to just clobber kent state kent state so bad on offense. Their defense is really good by max standards, but they're not going to slow down Saquon Barkley nope. at all. And uh, what is, what's the is it Miles uh, Sanders? Is that the name of that the oh, freshman? The, yeah. So they have yeah just two amazing running backs. Uh, yeah, and then Chris Godwin is one of my favorite receivers in the nation. Uh, Hamilton's pretty good. Black Nell might be pretty good too. So yeah, I, I like Penn State's ability to to. I think they can win that one like twenty four to zero, but I think they're going to score more than twenty four points. Yeah, and McSorley, you know, like I know that like he doesn't have like that that sort of NFL pedigree that like Hackenberg did when he came onto campus, but alleged <laughs> NFL pedigree. Yeah, yeah, we'll see about that. But um, that he uh, McSorley also just isn't going to have uh, John Donovan to like just try to ruin the game for them, right? So, yeah. You know, they got uh, Joe Moorhead from Fordham. Uh, you know, he built a pretty solid you know FCS program at Fordham. Uh, so I think that's going to be a more of an up-tempo uh, type of game or uh, offense than we're used to seeing. Yeah, they're going to go higher tempo than they certainly did with uh, what's-his-name there. Yeah, so I, I think with that, uh, they should they should be able to just kind of paste Kent State pretty good. Yep, and uh, one last Penn State person to watch out for, Mike Gesicki at tight end. Might emerge as a viable fantasy tight end this year. Who knows? Uh, anyway, uh, we got Iowa versus Miami of Ohio next, 27 and a half. That's a lot of points, that but I think they lot. get it. Okay. Um, Miami Miami of Ohio is just uh, – they're one of those, like, bottom 10 teams in the country recruiting capital-wise. They've just had it so rough since, like, Nate Davis left. Big Ben. Um, yeah, so uh, – Iowa's playing at home. They still have this illusion of like competing for the college football playoff, I think. Um, and they're going oh, yeah, to very to, adamant to keep that. the hope alive. They're going to need to win this one like thirty-five to nothing. So I don't think they're going to be like be especially merciful. Um, also, a matchup like this one is the is the exact scenario that you expect them to actually give the ball to Akram Waldley. Which, if they do that, he's going to just run for like nine touchdowns because that's always what he does. And they they just have this stupid doctrine like if you're not 220 pounds, you don't get to play running back. And if you're not like a like a you know redshirt junior, yeah, yeah. So Akram Wildly has he has uh, trouble getting above like 190. So they have this stupid idea that he can't start. And Lashawn Daniels is pretty good too, so it doesn't really matter that much. He's going to probably score twice at least in this one. 
So, but yeah, I, I, I can see those two Wadley and Daniels combining for five touchdowns alone. And I can see Bethard scoring twice too. So I, I, I can really see Iowa going over 35 in this one. And I cannot see Miami getting over 10 points. No, yeah, they're, they're not, they're not going to be able to do anything, but yeah, otherwise, uh, George Kittle, good tight end at Iowa, good NFL prospect too. But otherwise, I mean, Bethard like doesn't get receivers. enough. Yeah. I don't like the receivers. Vandenberg's like, he he I might have some receiver. use in PPR or something, but he's just not that good, uh, not explosive anyway. Right. Next game, Wisconsin is plus ten at Lambeau Field against Lambeau uh, against LSU at Lambeau. Uh, the, the next Bart or the next uh, Bart Star, the next Bart Star at quarterback and Bart Houston, who is like named after him or something. So there's this, it's the whole Lambo mystique. People are like, really, we're getting like teary eyed and like hopeful about this stupid, like it's Bart star again. It all lines up. He's a good, uh, he's, he's not going to last long. Uh, I, I, I think Bart Houston gets benched during the Michigan state game, like in the third or fourth week, whatever it is. Dave Aranda with I don't care like they lost the one the one defensive tackle for the year they lost I think they're going to be without one of their linebackers and one of their safeties for this game at LSU but I'm sorry like LSU's incoming true freshman class could probably just start over almost everybody other than like Vince Beagle and maybe like Sitchi or somebody right. like Sojourn Shelton uh, on the Wisconsin defense. Dave Aranda is going to be really, really good this year with that defense. He was amazing at Wisconsin. Wisconsin was like a top 15 defense two out of three years, I think, with a bunch of guys who are just like two-star recruits who uh, you know, are walk-ons and stuff that would never make the LSU roster. Meanwhile, the Wisconsin defense is going to get really bad because Aranda isn't there anymore. And Leonard Fournette, he seems like he's going to be fine from the ankle issue. Uh, even if he not. isn't, <laughs> Darius Guise will run for 300 yards. Yep. It, it's all going to work out fine for LSU. Um, so yeah, I, I am very confident LSU clears 10 points, but I also thought Wisconsin was going to like lose to Auburn in the bowl game a couple of years ago. And, uh, I probably picked them to lose to USC too. The thing is Ed Orgeron and Gus Malzahn are not coaching LSU. So I'm, I'm just tripling down on Wisconsin loses big. That's kind of my thing. I'm finally going to be right about it. Right on. So as much as I've been wrong, I think this this will finally be the exception, and I'll I'll just look so smart for it. But uh, I would take LSU up to like sixteen and a half, let alone ten. I do have a uh, a two pita wager on on this game with uh with our resident Wisconsin homer Chris Benzine. Uh, I took uh, si- I was pita like pit. Right, sixteen okay. and a half. Yep, pita pit two pitas. Um, so you know I'm really hoping. That, uh, oh, you guys go high good. stakes here. Um, <laughs> that's that's got to be at least twelve dollars. That's the classic uh, bet with Zine. So I'm very very excited. I mean, it was either going to be that or like two Herberts and Gerbert sandwiches <laughs> or something. Oh yeah, we we love our Herbert and Gerberts here in Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, t- to be serious, Corey Clement should have a pretty awesome season. Aside from this game, I think he's I think he's like a fourth round NFL pick, maybe third. Uh, really good player. Just has had a weird story lately. Um, LSU, we already established for net Guise, awesome. Um, I think Dural, uh, that's Travon Dural and Malachi, Dupre, Malachi Dupre, Dupre, whatever. Um, they're both dangerous deep threats who it's like when you're, when you're biting on that play action to those running backs, those guys are going to kill you too. So I, I think, I think LSU, LSU is my favorite for the national championship. If not them, Clemson, of course, but I do like LSU just because I am, I am all about the Dave Aranda hype train here. 
respect. Okay, so next we got uh, the most important game of the slate, to be serious. Uh, Georgia at home against North Carolina. Georgia's favored by two and a half. I don't think Kirby Smart's going to tell us who's going to start at quarterback in this one. Uh, All indications are that it's between Glambert, Grayson Lambert, and um, Jacob Eason. Eason. So we agree, John, that it it, it should be Eason who starts, but we don't know whether Smart has the courage. Yeah, we're not not sure there, and he's been uh, kind of – I'm starting to as a as a Georgia grad. I'm starting to get tired of his act with the with like the we're media. sick of it. I mean, the, well, because like every day everyone asks him, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'll tell you in a couple days." Oh, just, we always fall for it. No, mm-hmm. we always do. And then one day he's just going to name Bryce Ramsey the starter. But now, <laughs> the <laughs> that, starting punter. Yeah, that would um. Yeah, the the I think the Georgia Dome would implode if that were to happen. But you know, I think Eason. Eason at least plays in this game. He represents hope, whereas Glambert is just accepting mediocrity in exchange for the perceived avoidance of risk. But there's no avoiding risk when you agree to that level of, like, predetermined lameness. Like, Glambert, like, for for him, or what I'll always remember is, like, Mark Rick benched him because he wanted Fatown Bauta to play against Florida last year. Mm. And, you know, obviously we know kind of how that played out that was he's, he's currently like making a meek case to start at colorado state but probably won't so. right and that's only because bobo's there bobo yeah so um we we got we got chubb expected to be back Finally. and if i mean it's oh, i need this i need nick chubb to be back because he's he's so good he's he's easily my favorite running back for the nfl in college football right now if he's healthy mm-hmm. uh he, he he seems to really get it the talent is off the charts so it, it yeah it's hard not to root for him. And he's cleared uh, every hurdle like in terms of his recovery. Yeah. Like he's always been ahead of schedule but like you always take your ahead of schedule type of reports in March with a huge grain of salt cuz like oh of course you're going to say that. You're not going to be like oh he's he's really really dragging. It's really not looking good. Right. You know, 6 months away from the season but you know he's as of a couple a weeks ago, yeah. As of a couple weeks ago, they were talking like in uh, media viewed practices, like, "Oh, they're tackling him." Yeah. So uh, that's I don't know what else there is to do. He certainly speaks with a lot of confidence as to his availability and f- fitness to take on a big workload. But if if Holyfield's there, uh, he's been practicing for at least a few days. He's still he was still limited as of a couple days ago. But if he's right. healthy, I would hope that they try to like, if at all possible, keep Chubb at like a fifteen carry cap. Let let Holyfield let a couple of the other younger guys get some work because um, North Carolina has a lot of talent on offense. Uh, I don't I don't know what their defense is like, but it wasn't that great last year, especially against the run. Uh, they got yeah. just murdered by that Baylor wish, wishbone <laughs> in the bowl game. Um, so yeah, I I don't think there's a good reason for Georgia to lose this game uh, given the the defensive recruiting capital they have, uh, given Chubb's presence. Uh, they don't have much in the way of pass catchers, I guess, and the passing game might not be functional, but they shouldn't really need it. Uh, but, yeah, they, they, they need to play well because Mitch Trubisky, the quarterback at North Carolina, taking over from Marquise Williams, he should be ready to go. Um, he's, he's got a lot of experience in that scheme, playing off the bench the last couple of years, and he's done pretty well every time. Um, Elijah Hood is an NFL running back. He's not on Chubb's level, but he's still really good. I can still I can see Hood being like a second round pick or something like that. Right. Um, he might he might be like the X factor in this game because you know Georgia like like you said with the recruiting capital like they do have like you know this laundry list of of like four and five star guys up in the front seven, but uh, they're pretty inexperienced and I'd say more more so than anything like it, it's pretty thin. Um, okay. So like we're not going to be able to like ro- or Georgia's not going to be able to like rotate out these guys constantly um, to, to be able to, like, 
stay right there with them. So I think Hood Hood is like a, a definite uh, X factor in this game that really could uh, change things one way or the other. Yeah. Otherwise, North Carolina they they lost um, Keenshad Davis, but they still got good receivers. Um, they, Ryan Switzer, the slot guy who's really tough to catch on the open field. Um, they got Bug Howard, the big big receiver replacing Davis. But Mac Hollins, their their deep threat. Uh, him being him being out for half of this game with suspension, uh, first half notably, uh, that that shrinks the field on North Carolina. That makes things a lot easier for for Georgia to just single out uh, Elijah Hood. So that that could that could add up to quite a bit in this game. Uh, in any case, I do like Georgia's uh, chances of winning this one by three. I, I would put a couple bucks on that if I were in a, a, a legalized betting setting. We are in agreement there. Okay, cool. And um, let's see. I'm uh, not forgetting anybody really in that. Uh, Jeb Blazovich or whatever at tight end, if you if you care or You're whatever. You're a nerd. Yeah. Like me. Yeah. Um, next game, more exciting in terms of uh, over-under type stuff. Tulsa at home against San Jose State. Um, Tulsa's, you know, it's it's sad. It, I'm, 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 like, actually angry that the guy hasn't been paid millions of dollars already. Uh, Keevan Lucas, the receiver who was our number one ranked receiver in fantasy last year going into the year, torn patella tendon. I I would love to see him back at pre-injury form. That would be like one of the most heartening things I would see in a number of years, but I'm not optimistic about it because I've never seen another player do it. Um, he's he's apparently going to play. He's like listed as a starting receiver on the depth chart, but I, I really worry that he might only play like – I don't know, 30 of 78 plays per game or something like that. And even then I'm worried about him breaking down a bit as the season goes on. So it's, it's, it's Atkinson, Joshua Atkinson and Justin Hobbs. I expect to lead Tulsa at receiver. Dane Evans should be good. He's not, I mean, he's, he's inaccurate, but he's got a lot of experience by now. He He knows this. Yeah. He throws it a lot. He's got a lot of experience in the, in the scheme. He can run a little bit. Um, Ramadi Warren, the running back for Tulsa is going to be out for academic reasons. That puts a big burden on uh, D'Angelo Brewer who's bulked up a bit this year, which he needed to do. He was playing at, like, 175 last year, I guess. Uh, he could have a huge year, though, if he's able to stay upright. Um, I think that's about all for Tulsa. San Jose State, if you're looking for a streamer in season-long college fantasy football, Thomas Tucker, who is expected to start for San Jose State at running back, is just missing from the depth chart. I can't find any information about why. He's still listed on the roster, though, so that would imply some kind of you know short-term absence. In any case... The starting running back for that depth chart is Deontay Cooper, who has thrice torn his ACLs. Um, sorry, he has had three ACL tears, not like six total, three to each. Um, he's a former Washington four-star recruit who I really thought was a, good, a really good prospect um, based on the little bit of film I had seen of him. But then, yeah, three ACL tears, just devastating. Okay. Graduate transfer, he's listed as the starter. If he's at all close to what he used to be, there's no way Tulsa can keep him contained at all. Mm-hmm. So uh, high tempo setting against a bad defense. I'm, I'm really hope I hope Deontay Cooper has a huge game. I think he will. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of contingent on Thomas Tucker not actually playing. Which if if those if those idiots actually took him off the depth chart and then have him start, I'm just going to be so <laughs> irrationally bitter toward them forever. Um, but yeah, otherwise, same as they say, doesn't have their best receiver, Tyler Winston, due to academics. So. Uh, quarterback Kenny Potter, he should have a big game. He's a good dual threat quarterback. Uh, the receiver they'll have to lean on is probably like Tim Crawley. I think Justin Holmes is the name of one of their sophomore, sophomore receivers they'll have to lean on otherwise. Billy Freeman, really good tight end play this week. Uh, I don't have any feelings on the minus five and a half for, for Tulsa. Just It's, it's going to be, I think, a shootout. 
Yes. Uh, yeah. Any yeah. thoughts, John? Do we know what the over under is for this one? Um, let me look here. That, that might be that might be like the one where where we. It's take a it look started at, at seventy down to sixty nine and a half, but yeah, it's going to be something it's, like forty two thirty seven or something. Yeah, it's that that one is at. I mean, there's going to be zero defense played in that game, and both those offenses are pretty dangerous. Even though San Jose State, like you said, is going to be missing a couple guys, and Tulsa might not be at like full max strength. You know, with you know. I think you'll just see it more narrowly channeled production, whereas like before it would be more spread out. Sure. I think it's going to be like huge games for Atkinson and Brewer, Hobbs too, uh, and then for San Jose State side, I'm really hopeful that Cooper has a big game. But yeah, Kenny Potter should should he should like throw for two touchdowns, run for at least one. I think I'm going to start him in our fan tracks league. Uh, now, now you mention it. Yeah, fan tracks, you guys. Right Season-long college fantasy football, really great looking site too. Um, s- similar game to the last one, North Texas against SMU. We got like we got we got kind of like, like the the Baylor sort of awesome offense that Tulsa has. We have that in SMU as well. Uh, North Texas is trying to go air raid Texas Tech style. Um, it's nine and a half uh, favored for SMU, which is kind of insane to see. You just never thought you'd see that again. Um, right. Not since Eric Dickerson and the the death penalty st- stuff. Um, but yeah, sixty eight and a half over under nine and a half uh, favorites is SMU. Gotta love Matt Davis at quarterback. He should have an enormous game. Uh, they split carries a lot in the backfield, but Xavier Jones is their leader in that regard. He should have a nice game. Cortland Sutton, very good NFL Stud. prospect. He should go nuts in this one. Um, SMU has a couple other receivers that could break out, I guess, uh, like Raheem Malone, slot type. Um, can't uh, Xavier Castile or something like that. There's this Castile guy. Uh, he was like a three-star recruit. Uh, James Proch, I think, was a three-star recruit last year who redshirted. Um, Jeremiah Gaines at the tight end could have a nice game. On the North Texas side, we've got Alabama transfer uh, Alec Morris expected to start at quarterback. He should have a really nice game in this one. This should be perhaps like the highest tempo game in week one. SMU's defense is not going to be good. So even if North Texas is just bad, even if he averages like 5.9 yards per attempt in this game, I think he's probably going to be like pushing for, uh, I don't know, like 350 or something like that. Yeah, SMU just can't. They, there's going to be no defense in this game. North, either. Yeah, North Texas running back Jeffrey Wilson should have a really nice game. Don't know about the receivers. I, I think it's like Turner, Smiley, or somebody is suspended for this one. Uh, I don't know if like T. Gorey might be able to have a nice game. But, uh, the, the yeah, the North Texas pass catchers are hard to identify. But Jeffrey Wilson, the running back, got to like him a lot. Um, let's see. Next next game on the slate, we only got a few left. We're running a bit long. Sorry, guys. Alabama is going to beat USC. The question is by how much. They're favored by eleven and a half at this point. I think they opened at ten or something. But um, Alabama's going to smoke them. Like yeah, they're going to crush going them against Max Brown. Like he's making his first start against Bama, whose defense might be even better this year than it was last year, which is uh, a terrifying, terrifying concept. And then you also have to factor in, not only is USC's quarterback making his first start, but I think their left tackle, if he plays, he's going to be playing at, at, I mean, just on straight grit alone. Like yeah. The, like he's, his foot is like totally effed up, so uh, he's just going to get eaten alive. Overlooked fact, USC was bad with Ed Orgeron running the show last year. They started hot on offense, at least. Like, Cody Kessler was playing in the first month like he did in all of 2014, i.e., like, 35 touchdown type pace. They just got, they got like, deliberately slow in, in plotting after that because, like, Ordron was like, hey, let's, let's old school this up. I'm sick of this, um, you know, modernized throwing the ball deep stuff mm-hmm. um let's let's get it to justin davis and um so yeah they they should just they should they should have been throwing the ball while they had cody kessler now he's not there so they're gonna have they're gonna have this like shrunk field offense that moves at a plotting pace 
trying to make it like it's 1999 again or something. Um, anyway, they were bad. They lost to Wisconsin in their bowl game. That's ridiculous. Wisconsin had no reason to win that game. Right. Um, and now they lose Cody Kessler. So uh, I can't remember the, the guy's name. They did bring in an impressive defensive coordinator for USC, so I think their defense will be good. But, like, it's not going to be – they're, they're going to run out of energy by, like, the halfway through the third quarter, and then it's, like, Scarborough, Harris, whoever it is. Scarborough's, like, too large to, to be slowed yeah, you, down against. For more than, like, three quarters. And, like, meanwhile, the Alabama defense isn't going to give up, you know, three touchdowns to Juju, and that's basically what USC needs to – be remotely competitive in this so exactly i would think i would think alabama wins at like 31 35 to like 17 or 10 or something yeah i mean it's it's just gonna be a, like a just a beat down in my opinion um and it's neutral side i think you know bam is gonna pack the house and it's gonna it's gonna kind of feel like it's tuscaloosa there it's gonna be nuts but yeah and they're more functional moments the usc running game should be good justin davis is pretty good ronald jones is an exciting runner but, uh, yeah, I just don't see the way that this matchup works for them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, similar, Similarly, I don't think Auburn has much of a chance at avoiding, a, like, 14 to 21 points. Yeah, the, the seven, it started at 7.5, I think, which I don't understand who these, like, I guess some people who are, you know, sharp betters perhaps got it down to 7. I don't know, like, the, the over-under went from 59 to 62, and Auburn's uh, projected loss went from 7.5 to 7. Like, what, what? I can see the over-under going up. Auburn's defense can't stop Deshaun Watson. Alabama's yeah, defense couldn't stop Deshaun Watson. Um, 400 yards, four touchdowns through the air for Deshaun Watson, uh, like, 10 and a half months from an ACL tear. What do we? What do we, exactly do we think Auburn is going to do about that with Mike Williams in the fold now? Like I don't, I don't understand what the reasoning is here. Like I, I think people are just looking really hard at like, well, historically Auburn does X, Y, Z. It's like, well, I think Gus Malzahn's on the way out. I don't, been, I don't like yep. they they went with the worst possible fit at their quarterback position, naming Sean White the starter over uh, John Franklin and Jeremy Johnson. So like the the Malzahn scheme if you think about it, hasn't really worked without Cam Newton or Nick Franklin. Right. Sean White's not going to do that. Uh, no, they lost Jovan Robinson to dismissal. Peyton uh, Barber's gone. Yeah, they don't have any really proven receivers. Their defense might be pretty good, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, seven points? Sorry. I don't, I don't get it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, would, I would confidently put some money on Clemson winning that one by seven or more, but, I'm, I mean, I've, I've been here before and felt stupid afterwards. Maybe this will be one of those times. I just don't understand how it happens, no, though. I, I, I'm shocked that, that this is in, this, that it's in the single digits. I mean, Clemson, I mean, if, if not for LSU or, in my opinion, Alabama, like I would say Clemson is, you know, right there, like the set, either the best team or the second best team in the country this year. And, yeah. you know, Auburn, Auburn might uh, not win six games. Yeah, I probably like, won't. Like, even if Auburn gets two defensive and or special teams touchdowns in this game, I still think Clemson wins by at least 14. Like, I just, yeah. I don't understand. Like, it, anyway, uh, I don't know what we're missing here. I, I, if, I, if I were in Vegas, I'd be like, give me, give me like 50 on Clemson plus, or uh, give me a 50 on Clemson minus seven. Who knows? Uh, I might just be stupid. Um, anyway, next game. Uh, Wyoming versus uh, Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois is favored by 10. They got Drew Hare coming back from that Achilles tendon tear. Right. Uh, they need him to play because their backups were garbage. Um, jo- they might have Jordan Huff back. Or, uh, yeah, Jordan Huff, right? I'm, I'm, Josh Huff is the receiver. Jordan Huff is the running back. Okay. Yeah, they got Jordan Huff back, or so he's at least listed on the roster again. He's way more expl- ex- explosive than Joel Buonio or however Buonio, you say yeah. it. Um, they got Kenny 
Galladay, Holiday, whatever it is. Those those are the automatics for Northern Illinois. Their defenses are generally pretty pretty good by mid major standards. But one thing, I, I, this is a stupid thing that no one cares about. I think Wyoming's offense is going to be really good this year. You're Brian Hill guy. Brian Hill guy. Uh, Sean Wicks available off the bench. You know, knock on wood, he's had some con- concussion issues. Uh, but I really like the pass catchers at Wyoming, and their quarterback might be pretty good too. Josh Allen, this JUCO guy who didn't play last year, got hurt um, in a start against Eastern Michigan, season-ending injury. He ran for like 40 yards and threw for like 30 on something like seven snaps before he got hurt. Right. Uh, g- good athlete. He can run. Um, so, yeah, I like Brian Hill and and, and uh, Allen working with each other uh, in the backfield. I think that their ability to run opens up uh, – the game for the other and then tanner gentry was one of the best receivers in the country last year before he, he suffered a so, uh, season ending injury he's back uh Mallhart, jake Mallhart's a big target very good in the red zone at the least jacob hollister is a good tight end so yeah i really like the wyoming offense craig bull had a lot of success at a uh, north dakota state that he came from so uh so. yeah so uh whatever i i think i think they got a good chance at you know keeping that one less than a 10 point loss but i wouldn't put money on it just because there's a lot of there's a lot of projection and speculation involved with that. But, yeah, keep an eye out for the Wyoming offense. I like those guys. Uh, next game, more more kind of game that people who are not nerds care about. Uh, Florida State, minus 4.5 against Mississippi. The game is in Orlando. Yes, and, you know, Florida, I mean, that's obviously – it's going to have a bit of, like, a Florida State home feel, but I think you brought up a good point before the show that, you know, it's not like Ole Miss uh, fans aren't going to travel to go see that one. I mean, that that's uh, – if not for the the Houston OU game, I think this is this is probably my favorite game of the weekend. Just as as a fan, yeah. And I don't I I, I don't know what I think about this game. Uh, the over under is fifty seven, which is I mean, it's not low scoring, but it, it I think it indicates a, a pretty hard fought game with a four and a half point um, spread. So it, it it might it might be a kind of thing where it's like a late breaking play is is kind of what decides things. Chad Kelly's got obviously the the huge experience advantage over DeAndre Francois, uh, who's expected to start with with Sean McGuire. Probably would have just lost the competition anyway, but especially with that foot break or whatever exactly. it is that he had. Um, so yeah, basically, I, I guess this is it depends on how you look at it, obviously, but it kind of comes down to like can Chad Kelly and you know the remaining Mississippi receivers. They don't have Treadwell or Cody Core, but they do have Evan Ingram, the tight end. They've got Demorius Stringfellow, who's expected to be their lead receiver. They got uh, Quincy Adebayo or whatever, a uh, couple couple young guys aside from them who are explosive. So can Chad Kelly throw the ball on Florida State's defense? And I don't, I don't, I don't know how to guess that one. Um, and you know that he doesn't, he's not gonna have Tunsil anymore to protect. Right. Him. Yeah. So uh, you know, I know for a fact that Florida State is just loaded with with guys in the front seven that are that are just ready to ready to pounce on the quarterback. And uh, I think not having Tunsil is going to be a huge problem. I think Ole Miss really did lose so much uh, on defense too yeah yeah especially on defense but um so that's like how i don't see them stopping or even really slowing dalvin cook so it's like nope. yeah i don't i don't and they're not gonna have a run game either it's gonna be very oh oh yeah mississippi cannot run the ball against like anybody like they don't have running general. backs yeah it's <laughs> like the days of the glory days of dexter mccluster yeah Those yeah are. exactly so um yeah i don't i don't yeah, like brandon bolden yeah so uh i don't i don't know how how good I think Kelly is. I thought he was actually pretty sloppy last year, pretty scattershot, but it was his first time starting. Um, he could have gotten better. He's certainly a good running quarterback. He's got, he's got good athletic talent in general. Right. But I feel like Cook is just automatic. And if that Florida State defense is at all what anyone thinks it is, I, I guess the way we're talking about it now, I'm not convincing myself that Mississippi has a good shot at winning. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I found this one kind of, like, interesting little trend um, where Ole Miss has been, like, great uh, great against the spread. Like, the last nine times that uh, they've been the dogs in the regular season, uh, they've won seven of those games outright, and they're 8-1 and one against the spread. Hmm. So, you know, there's a, there's a bit of that Hugh Freeze gambling man action, but uh, I don't know. I still feel like Florida State is, is built to really uh, be a – be a great team this year. I know that they're going to have that that first time starter at quarterback, but at the same time, uh, I think that Ole Miss ha- has probably had a little bit too much attrition, uh, and I think Florida State's too ready to go right now, especially with, with guys like Dalvin Cook and Derwin James on the other side of the ball. I think that uh, Florida State's going to be able to to get this. Uh, I think they should be able to cover cover the spread as well. Yeah, yeah, I I, th- I think yeah, you've convinced me. Um, so yeah, this is actually out of chronological order, but I because I want to talk about it last. Last game we have here, Texas plus three and a half, Notre Dame minus three and a half, however you want to look at it. Um, they're, where are they playing again? It's at Texas. Okay, so, so yeah, it's at Texas. Um, over under 60, That's that seems awfully high for a, te- for a game involving uh, Texas, right? So, and yeah. I, I think, though, that there's a good reason to have that over under higher than you might guess based on past results because Texas going with, uh, I forget the fellow's name, but they took the offensive coordinator from Tulsa, I think. Um, right. So yeah, they're going with that uh, ostensibly it's, like a Baylor style. Sonny Cumbie, um, oh no, that's a t- that's, that's a TCU, TCU. guy. Um, yeah, I don't remember his name. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so they're going to try to go into this like you know proto Baylor type thing where it's just max tempo. And uh, I I really love the fit for Texas if they start Shane Bukalele. Yes, whatever yeah. his name Mr. is, Mr. Ukulele, Shane Bouchelle. I think I think his dad is like a coach for the Rangers too, which is yeah, cool. the former major league pitcher, right? So, yeah, like um, but yeah, the Texas ethos. Here's the thing: it. I don't like Charlie Strong says he he know, or he claims he doesn't know who's starting. He he must know. He just isn't saying who. If they start Tyrone Swoops over Bouchelle, um, I I'm off. I, I I then I'm not into Texas because that that would just represent just like such a disappointing lack of courage and foresight because swoops isn't going to get you anywhere right you shell might not but swoops will not so i i i, I but it, by all accounts michelle was way ahead of those guys even even like back before the fall so if it's not him i'm gonna be just like kind of jaw on the floor uh swoops is still gonna get like wildcat and maybe like some red zone specialization type things but they got to go with michelle uh, John Burt, the receivers, a sophomore. I think he's very promising. Uh, Colin Johnson's like supposed five. to be Colin John. Yeah, Colin Johnson's supposed to be really good. Uh, but yeah, that, that those two running backs, Dante Foreman and Chris Warren. We've seen these like max tempo offenses before. I don't think we've seen one where the two top running backs who are like equally good were two hundred and forty plus pound guys with a Giants. lot of explosiveness. Like Foreman looks. Uh, about as fast as like Derrick Henry to me, and he's of a similar size. Right. Excuse me. Uh, Warren was really good last year in his limited workload. So I, the idea of those two both getting like f- fifteen plus carries a game, I don't know that we've ever seen a defense take that much of a beating before. Right. So I'm really interested to see how that works. Um, in any case, I trust Charlie Strong to make a, a really good defense at Texas. I think Notre Dame's if they're really going to go with like a quarterback rotation, I think that severely undermines them, especially in a game that is week one of high stakes like this, I think that's an incredibly ill-conceived idea to play both Deshaun Kaiser and Malik Zaire. Um, I don't even care which one you start. Just stick with that one guy this week at least. I don't know because, like, you're not – this is not a time to experiment. Like, Texas won't make it easy for your experiment, so don't do it. No, and it's it's crazy, like, how far Texas has been able to come, like, in this 
in this past year, even though, like, for the most part, they didn't really even look good at, like, any point last year, except, I guess, the, the OU game and the Baylor game. But, you know, who are they playing at that point? But they they do have just so much promising, like, young returning talent. Like you said, like, those running backs are just – that's a stable of just studs. And, uh, you know, for, for Notre Dame to kind of, like, just mess around – I mean, that's it's a getting cute. B, it's arrogant. Like yes. it's you. You shouldn't be. This is it's. It's kind of like uh, Utah State starting Chucky Keaton in the bowl game for because they were just like they they just felt entitled to the glory. You know, it's like sure. well, we we just feel entitled to like doing this thing that we know is objectively bad football strategy because it's just like we just think we can do that and have have the nice feelings the whole time. Like, sorry, you, you don't want to pull a quarterback in and out of a game. You don't want to switch quarterbacks at halftime unless one's playing better than the other. And if one's playing better than the other, you want them to play the whole time. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I, I, I'd like Texas's ability to win this game, let alone cover the three-and-a-half-point spread. But if it's not Buchel starting, I'm probably just going to throw a fit and call the bet off. Fair enough. That's how I look at it, too. But anyway, that's uh, that's what we got for this extended edition. Uh, we'll, we'll be more concise in the future and uh, stuff, so... Yeah, anyway, thanks a lot for listening. I hope you'll stick with us on our Wednesday edition of the college-themed episodes of the Rotowire football podcast brought to you by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Check it out next week, too, please. Oh, yeah. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.